This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going on, DMV? How's everybody doing tonight? 106.7 The Fan is on your AM, FM dial. We're on the odyssey app and we're on the stream at the fandc.com however you're tuned in tonight we appreciate you hanging out with us for just a bit i'm danny noakes we've got the great vic ferreira in studio producing the show and we're with you up until nine o'clock this evening if you want to jump in on the conversation at any point here over the next two and a half hours You know the number, 800-636-1067. That is the MGM National Harbor listener line. we got a lot to break down, ladies and gentlemen. It has been a busy week and exciting. A lot of positive vibes across the DMV with some very specific news here that we will get to very soon and over the course of the rest of the show. I'll also let you know that coming up at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk to R.J. Anderson of CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage because... Yes, we've got the World Series to recap. Astros now up three games to two on the Phillies as the series shifts back to Houston. Does it sound familiar? Mm -hmm. That's exactly how it went for the Nationals in 2019. Going back to Houston down 3-2. The difference here? Phillies don't have Steven Strasburg taking the mound in Game 6, nor do they have Max Scherzer ready to take on Game 7. So we'll get into all of that, though, because the Phillies, very good baseball team. They have strengths elsewhere. We're talking to R.J. Anderson coming up at 7 o'clock. But we open with the week and a good one at that for the Washington Commanders. Things sure have changed a lot over the last month. And for once... All that changes for the better. I mean, it wasn't long ago that we were sitting here talking about the commanders having lost four games in a row. The offense wasn't clicking. And despite there being rumors of animosity from NFL owners around Dan Snyder, Dan and his camp came out and they said, none of this is true. There was the quote, they can't F with me blurb that every media outlet was running with. And things looked bleak, which, by the way, was really par for the course for this franchise but man fast forward about a month and here the commanders are at four and four having won three games in a row two of those comebacks led by taylor heineke and you head into a home matchup with a very good vikings team who's only lost one game this season and that's not even the best news of the week for commanders fans and it's understandable to say the least because the big news of the week The report from Forbes that Dan Snyder is surveying his options for selling this once proud franchise, the Washington Commanders. But the matter on the field this weekend between the Commanders and the Vikings, Minnesota, correcting myself, 5-2, former Washington quarterback Kirk Cousins coming back to FedEx Field, three wins in a row, and yet... The football game this weekend, really feeling secondary. Dan Snyder beginning the process of selling the team. It's the happiest news the sports town's probably got since the Nats won the World Series in 2019. And if you go back in time about three years, you think about it. COVID hit shortly after the Nats won it all, so there was no banner-raising ceremony. We got the parade in just after they won it all, but a couple of months later... COVID hits, you don't get to raise the banner in front of your home crowd. We didn't all get to celebrate that together. There's no ring ceremony, and there's no victory tour like every other World Series champion gets to do, right? That was a bummer. The Capitals have had several disappointing seasons in playoff early exits since winning the Stanley Cup in 2019. The Commanders actually have had some success in that time span. They did win the division in 2020, but and they got to the playoffs. Obviously, they did that with a losing record, and it didn't necessarily lead to anything positive. Although, 
that playoffs, which we saw Tampa Bay take down Kansas City in the Super Bowl, the Washington football team at the time did play Tampa Bay closer than any team would throughout the rest of the playoffs. And then you had the Wizards over that time who have been mostly irrelevant. But we will get to some Wizards a little bit later on the show. And the news from this week for the Commanders is obviously a very, very big step. And the possibility of a new owner taking over the commanders is so refreshing that people really don't even know what to do with this level of hope. It's what we've all been waiting for. So a lot of the conversation now is centering around who might be the next owners and goodness gracious, there have been some interesting names that have been thrown around. Obviously at the top of that list, you have Amazon's founder, Jeff Bezos, you have Jay-Z, a Grammy award-winning artist and a businessman, a great entrepreneur himself. And you've got several other names that have been brought into that conversation as well. I don't necessarily think we need to do a deep dive into who the prospective new owners for the commanders are. One, don't think that that would make for very good radio. And two, there's just a lot that could happen between now and then. And the reality is Bezos has the most money. If the NFL wants the owner with the most lucrative offer, it's going to be him. Whoever is in partnership with Jeff Bezos, whether that is Jay-Z or, or if it's somebody else or if he just decides to do it all himself, there is said to be some interest on behalf of Jeff Bezos in purchasing the Washington Commanders. That has been a rumor for the last year or so. And you obviously have the connection there with Bezos being the owner of the Washington Post. So we just kind of have to see. What's crazy, too, is... You know, we're talking about all of this with the big football game on the horizon on Sunday. That's crazy. But we may see the commanders and the nationals up for sale within the same 365 days of one another within the same short span of a few months. That would be pretty incredible, considering that the nationals have only been here since 2005, found a way to win a World Series. And now they're up for sale again. And whether it's Ted Leonsis who buys the nationals or not, that's a similar conversation where there's just a lot of a lot of skepticism and 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 expectations that people don't know where to go with them. So, it's going to be an interesting few months, ladies and gentlemen. I advise you to buckle up because it might just be a bumpy ride. Something tells me that Dan Snyder is just not going to go down without a fight. But Right now, the news is positive. The vibes are good, and the Commanders are going into this matchup with the Minnesota Vikings with a lot of momentum. So we're going to get to that very, very soon. Right now, I want to step aside, though. I want to take our first break of the evening because coming up next, we're going to remember Washington football legend Dave Butts, who was announced to have passed on earlier today. Butts obviously winning two Super Bowls here with the Washington Redskins, so we will remember the Washington football great when we return. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A couple of things to keep an ear out for coming up at the 7 o'clock hour right here on 106.7 The Fan. We're going to be joined by RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage as we break down the World Series, which shifts back to Houston tomorrow night. 
Houston with a three games to two lead over the Philadelphia Phillies. And as my producer Vic Ferreira reminded me in the break, it's a good thing that we had that rain out earlier this week because if we didn't, there would be a World Series game on tonight and we would be missing it at least an hour because first pitch would probably be right after eight o'clock and we're with you up until nine. So we're grateful for that. We got a full slate of college football tomorrow and we cap it with more college football plus a World Series game. That's not bad. What's the other thing coming up at seven o'clock? Well, over at Capital One Arena, the Washington Wizards hosting the Brooklyn Nets. So with the Nets in town, that means DC native Kevin Durant is in town. And I just caught a very cool video. Several people have cottoned the or got the interaction between these two people, but Terry McLaurin was talking with Nets forward Kevin Durant, and actually Terry gifted him a Terry McLaurin Commanders jersey, which was both really cool and also really funny to see Terry interacting with KD, looking up at him almost as if Terry was a kid. He looked kind of starstruck, you know? And Terry is, if not already, on his way to being a superstar in the National Football League. I can't imagine you see Terry starstruck like that very often. But if you're going to be, Kevin Durant would definitely be one of those guys. So Nets, Wizards tip off at 7 o'clock, Wiz 4 and 4 on the season we will do some wizards analysis a little bit later on in the show now i mentioned before we get out of here close out the six o'clock hour wanted to at least spend some time remembering dave butts we got the announcement today that dave butts had passed away washington legend came out of purdue was a first round pick fifth overall by the st louis cardinals all the way back in 1973 but he only played there for two seasons And that was before the Washington, then known as the Redskins, would acquire him via a trade. 6'8", almost 300 pounds for a majority of his playing career. A massive individual, and at the time he was one of the largest dudes in the league. And yes, it was head coach George Allen that exchanged two first-round picks and a second-rounder for Dave Butts. Think about that for a second. Two first-rounders and a second-round pick for an offensive lineman. That would never happen today. Here's a great example. Trent Williams. The Redskins traded Trent Williams for a third-rounder and a fifth-rounder. Trent Williams was arguably the best offensive line in the NFL when that deal was made, and he just landed his first All-Pro nod this past season as he continues to make the Pro Bowl. He's got a chance at the Hall of Fame for sure. Trent Williams, a third and a fifth-round pick. Dave Butts went for two firsts and a second. Now, football's changed a lot since then, too. But Trent also playing the blind side right there just kind of goes to show how much the game has changed over the last 50 years. Dave Butzo went on to have a stellar career in Washington, D.C. Obviously, from 1975 to 1988, played for the Washington Redskins, won two Super Bowls, was there for the first win against Miami, and also the second, the comeback win over Denver, He also made the Pro Bowl back in 1983, earned an All-Pro nod himself that year, and he finished second in the voting for AP Defensive Player of the Year that season. 11.5 sacks, started all 16 games, 64 career sacks in 216 regular season games. He is a member of the NFL's 1980s All-Decade team, a member of the 80 and 90 Greatest Redskins, and a member of the Washington Ring of Fame. By the way, elected to the College Football Hall of Fame back in 2014. So, unfortunately, have to say goodbye to Dave Butts, who passed away. But what a career, man. Fantastic. And I remember, I want to say it was at some point we were doing a show here this summer, and the discussion was who would be on the Mount Rushmore of Washington football, right? Who would be the four guys that you would put up there? And I remember we actually got a lot of really good feedback for that segment and a lot of people had very different opinions some people shared the same sentiments that i did i'll give you my four here real quick but i think one of our listeners called in and said that dave butts belongs on there for how dominant he was and being a part of two super bowl championships that came to washington dc and i think that that's a very valid reason and argument for that and there's really no right answer I came to the conclusion that my four would be, if I'm looking across all generations, I think the four guys would probably be Joe Gibbs, 
John Riggins, Sonny Jergensen, and Daryl Green, right? And I don't think Joe Gibbs needs much of an explanation. I don't really think John Riggins does either. But this was right after the news about Sonny Jergensen passing away. And Sonny obviously didn't play his whole career with the Redskins either. But my reasoning with it for including him was... Yeah, he was one of the greatest quarterbacks in in franchise history. Maybe the greatest quarterback in franchise history. You could make that argument, too. But he was also a broadcaster and was the voice that so many of us listened to as we tuned in to hear our favorite football team on the radio every single Sunday. Sonny and Sam, right? So... Dave Butts being included on that is definitely an an argument and a conversation to be made. Also, of course, my generation's favorite player, Sean Taylor, would definitely be someone that would warrant consideration on that. And if it were my personal opinion, my personal favorite Washington football teamers of all time, Sean Taylor would definitely be on that list. But Dave Butts certainly deserves mention for his accomplishments, both of course, as a member of the Redskins here in D.C. with the two Super Bowls, but obviously he was very dominant in college football as well. And considering that the Redskins, specifically head coach George Allen, gave up two first-round picks for him as well as a second-round pick back in 1975, uh, he was pretty good there playing for the St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis, yes, that is correct. That's what they were known by back then. He was pretty good for them as well. So, uh Rest in peace to Dave Butts, uh, best to his family and everyone that was touched by his passing today. I know a lot of people, a, a, a somber day somewhat, but also one to remember one of the all-time great players for this franchise here in Washington, D.C. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get on over to the 7 o'clock hour. We'll step aside, take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with R.J. Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Seven o'clock hour underway on 1067. The fan, thanks for being with us tonight, ladies and gentlemen. We're on the AMFM dial, we're on the Odyssey app and the stream at thefandc.com. I'm Danny Noakes. We've got Vic Ferreira in studio producing the show, and we're with you for the next couple of hours up until nine o'clock. Right now, it's time to talk a little baseball as we go on over to the BetQL guest hotline to welcome in our guest this evening. Say hello to RJ Anderson, CBS sports.com's major league baseball coverage you can find him on twitter at r underscore j underscore anderson rj thanks so much for carving out a little bit of time for us on what has to be a very valuable off day for you pal how you doing Uh, i'm doing well how are you doing I'm doing good, man. It's been an entertaining World Series so far, and I want to break it all down with you. I want to get to Game 5, but not just yet. That was last night. We'll get there in a moment. I want to start a little bit earlier in the week because the Astros combined for the second no-hitter in World Series history back in Game 4. And the Astros won that game to draw even in the series at 2 before, obviously, they won last night's game as well. But the no-hitter, an incredible feat on its own, no matter who the 
the opponent was, but I think when you consider how potent this Phillies offense has been, led by Bryce Harper, it's even more impressive. A historic pitching performance by Houston, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's really been a coming out party for Christian Javier this postseason. You know, he flies underneath the radar compared to some of his teammates. You know, he's not as well-known as Justin Berlander or even Lance McCullers Jr., but he has one of the best fastballs in all of baseball. It's really a modern fastball. And what I mean by that is it's not impressive in terms of velocity, average in that regard, but because of his release point and because of the rise that pitch generates, it really creates this nasty optical illusion for hitters. And if you watch his starts or if he gets another release appearance in the series, you'll see a lot of swings underneath that ball, a lot of pop-ups. And you know, he was really on fire in game four, and that's the second time this season he's been involved in the combined no-hitter. It wouldn't surprise me if he has at least one or two more under his belt the rest of his career because of that fastball. Yeah, he, he his his ascension is pretty incredible. And there's another ascension here that I'm going to get to here in just a second. Game three oh. makes it even more impressive, too, when you look back at what the Phillies were able to do. It was almost like a home run derby there for a portion of that game with them being able to take so many of those balls out of the park. But the ascension I'm referring to outside of Christian Javier is Houston shortstop Jeremy Pena. I mean, replacing Carlos Correa was not going to be an easy task. And he's managed to make it look relatively easy. He's done a great job. What stands out to you the most about the way that he's playing right now and particularly what he's been able to do in the postseason for Houston? Yeah, I'm just kind of impressed at how quickly he took to the majors, not because we didn't know that he was talented. I mean, I had him ranked as Houston's top prospect entering the spring. I knew that he was going to play good defense at shortstop. I knew that he had power. I knew he hit for average. But keep in mind, this is someone who didn't get to play minor league baseball in 2020 because of COVID-19. And then last season, he suffered an injury and missed a lot of the year. So he really didn't have a whole lot of reps above A-ball. And yet to come out there this season and not only to replace Correa, but to do it so in such a manner where I don't want to say they didn't miss Correa because anytime you lose a player like however you're going to miss him, but they didn't miss him as much as he probably should have. So, you know, hats off to him. It's kind of a similar story to C.J. Abrams if you want a national connection where, you know, that loss of developmental time can affect everyone differently. Clearly it didn't affect Pena the way it affected Abrams. Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. I, I think some of the Nats fans listening here definitely appreciate a link to what's going on there in the World Series. We're talking with RJ Anderson, CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. Now, what's also interesting about Houston is as good as Jose Altuve is, he hasn't really been very good this postseason, has he? I mean, that average has sat below 200 for pretty much all of it, but he, he seems like he's starting to come into his own here, and they're going to need that for the last couple of games of this series. Yeah, he was horrid early on. I mean, the Mariners series and even into the Yankees series, he just wasn't himself. You know, they stuck by him. Guess what else are you going to do with a player of that caliber? But you're right. Uh, you know, this Astros team really can credit that pitching staff for getting him through some slumps, not only on Altuve's part, but also Jordan Alvarez. I mean, he was the talk of the postseason early on with those home runs against Seattle. Kind of been quiet here lately. You know, now that I say that, he's probably going to have a multi-homer game or something tomorrow <laughs> night. But, you know, really tip your cap to the rest of that Houston lineup and also to the pitching staff for you know, guiding them through despite a couple of key players slumping. Looking at this now from the Philadelphia perspective, it's really impossible not to talk about the postseason that Bryce Harper is having. He's been a little bit banged up. He got a little bit banged up at the end of the season. That's kind of relegated him to more of that DH role. He's not playing in the field at all. But boy, is he raking right now. It seemed like there were they were kind of trying to pitch around him last night, had a couple of walks, also ended up getting hit by a pitch, but he did rope a shot down the line. When they pitch to him, it just doesn't seem like there's anywhere for a pitcher to hide right now, though, is there? No, and you saw last night, they really wanted to force-feed him high fastballs. And the reason they did that is because during the regular season, he still hit 300 on elevated fastballs. So, like, let's not, you know, let's not get him twisted here. He can still do damage, but he's not hitting for power on those high fastballs. And if you think about his swing, you think about anybody's swing, you really have to flatten it the further you go up in the zone. So it takes away some of that uppercut, it takes away some of that ability to generate the kind of gaudy power that he's capable of. But if you're going to face Bryce Harper, would you rather give up a single or a home run? For me, I'd rather give up the single. And that's what the Astros were pitching him last night. In worst case scenario, you walk him. So, so uh, I know I thought it was a smart strategy. And, you know, I was kind of, <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I was kind of expecting him to come through with a home run to tie the game late in the ninth mm-hmm. inning just because that's the kind of postseason he's had. And we'll see if he's able to 
do anything in game six, maybe to force a game seven. We'll see if he can do anything in a game seven if they get there, because he really is having a magical run regardless of what happens I, with the Phillies in the series. Yeah, I, I had to close my eyes when he came to the plate <laughs> in the bottom of the ninth because I, I thought the same thing. I mean, he it's been it's been Harper, RJ. It's also been Schwarber who have, who have just delivered some very timely yeah. home runs, you know, and Schwarber's not hitting for anywhere near the average that Harper is. But every time that Schwarber hits a bomb, it comes in a big moment, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I mean, given some good quotes, too. I mean, he's really he's kind of their spiritual guy, I guess, after that no-hitter, he said, well, I don't really care. You know, why do I care from history books or whatever? So I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, him and Nick Castellanos have been the quotes of the series, though, by far. Yeah, he threw an expletive in there in that response to being asked about the no-hitter. I remember that. That was definitely very entertaining. Uh, so game six coming up Saturday night, RJ. The narrative going into this one is very familiar here in Washington, D.C., right? Because back in 2019, Nats take games one and two in Houston. Before coming back to D.C., they get swept only to go back to Houston, down three games to two, and then obviously they take those last two games on the road to win it all. The Phillies, I see their fans on Twitter. They're citing this situation as exactly why the hope should remain. But this pitching matchup on Saturday, Zach Wheeler for the Phils, Framber Valdez for the Astros. Wheeler pitched game two. He gave up five runs, four earned in five innings of work. That was a loss. Valdez won game two in a stellar pitching effort that, that spanned six and a third innings and gave up one run. I'm curious as to what you're looking for out of these guys in game six, because if not for Philly coming back down five nothing in game one, this thing would already be over. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about Wheeler because they've been giving him extra rust and they haven't you know, been willing to use him in a relief role the way they have with Ranger Suarez and the way I thought they might be Aaron Nola. But if you heard Rob Thompson talk today, he's open to using Suarez in relief in Game 6 and going with Nola in Game 7. So that tells me that they might have some reservations about Wheeler's health, his ability to pitch deep into this game. But Valdez, I mean, he's just really good. You know, he's got a, a very good sinker. If you look at the Phillies' success, Against similar sinkers, you're really talking about Schwarber and Hoskins, who have hit that pitch well. Harper's actually been really bad against similar sinkers, so keep that in mind. When he goes off tomorrow night, I look like a fool, but you know, he's also got a swing in this curveball. He's, again, one of these astros pitchers who came through their system. Maybe not the name value that Verlander has, but he's really, really good, and if you're not familiar with him yet, you will be soon. Yes, that, that that's how the postseason goes, I think, in, in Major League Baseball. It's where a lot of guys that you didn't expect to step up all of a sudden just explode for, for big games. Now, before I let you go, RJ, I want to ask you about the way that these franchises built their rosters and got to this point because it, it feels like it was two very different approaches, right? The Phillies spent yeah. a lot of money on the likes of Harper, Schwarber, other veterans over the last couple of years that they've sort of been corralling that they've either traded or signed in free agency. And that's opposed to, to drafting well and developing a bunch of prospects. The Astros, meanwhile, they've been to four of the last six World Series, but this team looks a lot different when you consider there is no Carlos Correa. There's no George Springer. Zach Greinke, Garrett Cole, A.J. Hinch, they've all been gone. Hinch obviously being the manager after 2019, but I'm curious as to, to what you make of these two differing approaches. And I don't know, is there anything that any folks from around here in D.C. can take away from that? Yeah, I think it shows there are a lot of different ways to skin a cap. And the most important thing is getting talent, right? Uh, the Phillies, they tried to rebuild, do the draft, and do player development, and that completely failed for them. And so they brought in Dave Dombrowski and you know spent a lot of money. And that's a really good way to do it. You know, if you're going to pick one way to get results quickly, spending money is a great way to do it. Trading for veteran players is a great way to do it. He's done this before and never stops too, and it has worked for him. You know, this is the fourth different franchise he's led to the World Series, so clearly it works. Uh, on the other side, Houston, they spent some money too. Don't get it wrong. You know, people don't think of Houston as a large market. They are. Right. They will spend money. Uh, they also have really drafted well. They've done international free agency well. I mean, we talked about some of the names throughout here. Javier and Valdez, even Altuve, you know, these were players who didn't sign for a lot of money and who weren't hyped as prospects, and they really coached them up. They know their strengths. You know, they know what they like in pitchers, and they acquire that type, coach them up, and get the most out of them. So to be a really good organization, to get where the Washington Nationals want to get, they need to be a little bit of both. Spend a lot of money and really coach these young players up. And if they can do that, you know, they're going to join the Dodgers and the Astros and some of these other clubs as the class of the Major League Baseball. 
Yeah, I think I think both of these teams are, are going to hang around for a while. I'm pretty sure that Houston is considering they've been hanging around for a while. They're they're just really a, a good organization from top to bottom. When it comes to acquiring and, and developing talent, there are obviously things that they have done wrong over this span as well. But uh, we, we don't need to go into all of that. Now, last thing. Do you think Philly forces this game seven? I tend to think that Houston is going to finish this thing out tomorrow night. But if they don't, hmm, I don't know. I don't know how I feel yeah. about Philly backs against the wall in game seven. I think Houston needs to close it out tomorrow night. Yeah, I mean, I would say the odds are overwhelmingly in favor of Houston winning in seven. You know, it's yep. like a 75% chance, give or take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope they force a game seven. I think Houston in seven to begin the series because I wanted a maximum series. A maximum series, excuse me. Remember, you know, we're seven months removed from not knowing if we'd have a season, let alone a playoff. So I'd really like to see this World Series go seven. Let's finish, let's finish with three or four really good games and, you know, head into the winter. A big free agency class waits ahead. And, you know, let's just enjoy baseball again. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And this has been a really entertaining World Series. Hopefully it continues over the next couple of games. RJ, I will let you go, man. Enjoy the rest of your Friday night and enjoy the rest of the World Series, my friend. Appreciate you carving out a little bit of time for us, and we will catch up with you again soon. Thank you for having me. Anytime. You got it, man. There he goes. That's our friend RJ Anderson of CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage. One more time, you can find him on Twitter at R underscore J underscore Anderson. Always love getting RJ's insight. Great stuff on the World Series. Game six coming up tomorrow night. First pitch coming up a little bit after eight o'clock. Let's see if the Astros can close it out or if the Phillies can force that game seven, just like the Nationals were able to do little over three years ago, almost to the day. Got that World Series. All right, let's get out of here. Another segment of football coming up next Thursday night football. Eagles, Texans, Houston, Philly. A lot of similarities between these last couple of segments. All right, we'll step aside, take a quick break. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Big thank you to our buddy R.J. Anderson from CBSSports.com's Major League Baseball coverage for his time in the last segment. Good breakdown of the World Series games. Four and five mostly. We mentioned three and look forward to game six coming up tomorrow night as well. Use the rewind function if you're listening on either the Odyssey app or FanDC.com. Rewind function, a great way to go back and catch anything that you missed. Shout out to our friend, Captain Todd, who is listening all the way out in Houston. Thank you, buddy. We appreciate you very much, wherever you might be tuning in from. And that's pretty cool that we got a listener out all the way in Texas. Although our boy, Captain Todd, pretty much always tuned in to our shows. And we are very, very appreciative of that. All right. 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. We're going to go to the listener line right now where chris is waiting for us chris what's going on how you doing hey good i'm fine i like talking baseball it's been enough about the football and all this <laughs> space. Yeah, okay so any baseball is for me all right um, what you got for us i've got two things one okay. about houston astros i can get in there later because i'm it's wonderful well, dusty baker is great mm-hmm but those two guys, I have an issue with that. I don't. I think it's going to take a couple of generations before that kind of thing, that scandal, moves along. And I it just kind of, when I was listening, some of the announcers would, oh, Alex Bergman just uh, has most RBIs and posted. No, I don't need to hear that. I don't need that's. No, they cheated the game, and that's how I feel, but I don't want to argue with that. Mm-hmm. In my, so I would like to leave that that. They damaged the game. Anybody who bought a ticket, the Dodgers, their families, whoever, some Yankees, whoever. But here's my next one. Okay. I think I heard you a couple of weeks ago now, maybe, about Leonsa spying the Nationals. Right. And I was concerned. I think you might have said that had he bought them, Soto would not be gone. But I'm not certain I disagree or agree because, first of all, you got to go back. Would he have kept Bryce Harper? Would he have paid him first? Yeah, that's a good Rizzo point. wanted had a trade set up to trade Bryce Harper to the Astros, mm-hmm. but Lerner's kept him and he walked away for nothing. Then you had to deal with uh, um, who was next? Um, Dang, I forget. But anyway, then you had the Max and Trey Turner trade, which was great. Mm-hmm. They let him do that. And look, Trey Turner's a free agent, and Max was the highest contract. That was a good trade. Yeah. Um, Soto, we just have to be determined. 
but I'm afraid Leonsis is a little too loyal. I don't like the Bradley Beal contract, and I can't. Oh, um, and I can't say. Oh, Rendon, and it looks like. In other words, trust Rizzo. You got to keep Rizzo. That's the only way. You can't I guarantee we would have kept Soto because then what would you have done prior to that? You know what I mean? Is he going to keep it? We can't keep all of them. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. And thanks for calling, Chris. That's good stuff. Hey, right no, there. I you're, appreciate you I, talking first baseball. Of all, I hope. Your point there about. Ted Leonsis potentially being too loyal and the Bradley Beal deal, you are not alone in that opinion. I, yeah. It's hard for me to determine exactly how I feel about retaining Bradley Beal because I don't think that the Wizards will be in a position to, to compete for a championship for a long time, no matter what they do. The Wizards have proven that they can't draft worth a crap. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. The Wizards will never be good as long as they keep making draft picks that are no better than average. That's and they do turn the over the GMs now, and managers. whether or not Ted would have retained, obviously this just depends on when exactly he would have become the owner because that's a good point. Harper was the first one that came up for a massive contract. And if Ted was there before that, he probably would have tried to do everything in his power to retain Harper. And would that have left enough room to try and retain Turner and or Soto? We we just don't know. And 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 that's obviously revisionist history because none of that happened. But I did say that if Ted was the owner while the Nationals had Soto, that I don't believe he would have let Soto go. I believe that, but obviously it's not a guarantee and and we'll never actually know what happens. And and I also added to that, it definitely could have set the Nationals franchise back if they would have, you know, retained either Harper, Turner, or Soto because know, it wouldn't have allowed them and to, the to make some of the deals the that they have. But again, it's it's all it all doesn't matter because they're all gone now and they have to figure it out. And I definitely agree with Chris about needing to keep Rizzo around. I think that he is such a valuable piece of this franchise and his ability to assemble teams has just been on full display for really the last 10 years. I mean, it, it, it culminated in 2019, but he's been good at his job for, for much longer than just the last couple of years. So thanks to Chris for calling in. I did want to get a little bit of Thursday night football recap in here before we step out for our next break. We had the Eagles Texans game tonight and I saw this tidbit earlier this week and I, I just thought it was really fascinating. According to the Elias Sports Bureau, Thursday night, last night, marked the seventh time a World Series and an NFL game took place on the same day involving the same two metro areas, Houston and Philadelphia. I thought that that was pretty cool. Another reason that... And I would say October, but technically now, well, that's not technically, it is November now, but most of the Major League Baseball season and usually most of the World Series takes place in October. And I've been now saying for all of October that it's the best month on the sports calendar year. And it's, to me, it's not close. We're into November now, I know, but the World Series doesn't always stretch into November, right? The Nats won game seven on October 30th. We all woke up on on Halloween. Many of us very hungover from celebrating the night before, but on the last day of October, knowing that our team was World Series champions. So in, in no other part of the year do you get this sort of crossover with the NFL, the World Series, a fresh NBA, and an NHL season. It's It's a blast. The game last night, though, it was interesting. It started off pretty quick, and it looked like it might go back and forth, right? Houston took the opening kickoff. They marched right down the field for a touchdown on that opening drive, and the Eagles would answer. They responded. They did the same thing, drove the ball right down the field to tie the game at seven, and before you knew it, that was the end of the first quarter. It went by like that. Now, the Eagles obviously able to gain control there in the second half, but the second quarter did not go as smooth for Philly and Hertz ended up fumbling that resulted in a Texans touchdown. But then he started to kind of find his, his, his rhythm through a 17 yard touchdown to AJ Brown in the third quarter game was tied at halftime, but the Eagles, once they took the lead on that AJ Brown touchdown reception, they never looked back and it was Hertz who finished with 243 yards through the air, a couple of touchdowns. But Jalen Hurts, after this game, was asked about his undefeated start as the quarterback for the Eagles, who are now 8-0 for the first time ever. And basically, Jalen Hurts went on to reminisce about his time at Alabama, specifically in 2016, when he was the starting quarterback that led the Tide to a 14-0 start, only to lose 
to Clemson in the national championship in what was probably my favorite national championship game of recent memory. So he knows regular season wins can only get you so far. That's Jalen Hurts, right? Also of note out of this game, how about Texans running back Damian Pierce out of Florida? Fourth round pick in this year's draft. Man, he looks good. And Houston's not a particularly good football team. I think we're all well aware of that. But Pierce went for 139 on the ground, 26 carries last night, 5.1 yards per carry. He didn't get in the end zone, but obviously still had a heck of a game. 678 yards on the ground this season, three touchdowns. He's a very strong contender for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Chris Olave will also have something to say about that as well. But here's something. What the heck were the Titans thinking trading away A.J. Brown? I mean, seriously. I don't. I didn't see a single person when that deal was made this offseason that said, yeah, good job by the Titans here. No, everybody lauded this move as stupid. Now, Tennessee clearly was expecting Traylon Burks to become A.J. Brown, and so far, the rookie has 10 catches for 129 yards and no touchdowns. Now, maybe he'll have a second half resurgence. Maybe in the next few years, he does become what they had hoped, but he's certainly not there right now, and it's hard to imagine him being the talent that A.J. Brown is, considering the success that he had in Tennessee before coming to Philadelphia, and He has emerged as as one of the best wide receivers in the league this season. Titans, 5-2, though. King Henry doing what he does. And if this Titans team still had A.J. Brown, I think they'd be an even more formidable opponent. Not that they still aren't, but clearly, I think they made a mistake here. And and A.J. Brown is an absolute beast. We'll see the Titans on Sunday night against the Kansas City Chiefs, which actually should be a very good game. All right, let's step aside. We'll take another quick break when we come back. The Commanders actually do have a football game this weekend. There's been, obviously, and deservedly so, a lot of attention around the news that Dan Snyder is likely going to sell this franchise. But what about the actual game? What about the matchup? We'll look forward to it coming up next on 106.7 The Fan. 7.34 7.34 on a Friday night here in the DMV. Glad you're with us, everybody. I'm Danny Noakes, our guy Vic Ferreira, producing this show with you up until 9 o'clock this evening. So a little under 90 minutes from now, we will hand it off to Tech Talk Live. Yes, my Hokies. Not a good season so far. <laughs> Let's just be honest, right? And the Virginia Tech-Georgia Tech game tomorrow... If you listen to the junkies, ga- uh, the junkies this morning, Bish is going to be at the game. I actually had plans at one point to go to this game, but uh, I have since had to bail on those plans. Actually, this show had something to do with why I had to bail on those plans. It's a twelve thirty kick, so it would be uh, it would be a little bit difficult to get down there in time for kickoff without waking up at a not-so-fun hour on a Saturday morning. So 800-636-1067 is the MGM National Harbor listener line. Feel free to hit us up there. You can also send me a tweet. I'm on Twitter, at Danny Noakes. You can tweet the station as well if you'd like, at 1067thefan. So I said, what about the actual game between the Vikings and the Commanders this weekend? Because obviously there's been a lot of focus, and deservedly so, that's been shifted toward the Dan Snyder news and his potential sale of the Washington Commanders. And lost in all the hype is this game against the Vikings, which has a ton of juicy storylines and is just an overall important game for both of these teams going forward for the rest of the season. Now, I want to correct myself because I think in the first segment, I said the Vikings only had one loss only to overcorrect myself and say, wait a minute, they have two losses. No, they only have one. I was right the first time. Vikings are off to their best start since 2009, which is six and one this season. Their only loss was to the still undefeated Philadelphia Eagles, who we obviously just talked about got a win over the Houston Texans last night. But since that loss to Philadelphia, Vikings riding a five-game winning streak. And reading the ESPN preview of this game, I saw some quotes from Kirk Cousins, who was looking back on his time in D.C. very fondly. He talked about the day after Christmas in 2015 when Washington clinched the NFC East title and a trip to the playoffs. And he said that they got back to the practice facility around 2, maybe 3 a.m., and that the bus couldn't really get very far because it was just swamped with very happy fans when they returned after winning the division there in 2015. It seems like forever ago, doesn't it? So it's a homecoming for Kirk, 
or Kurt Cousins for some of you out there, right? It's also a homecoming for Kevin O'Connell, who started with Washington as the quarterback coach back in 2017. Got some passing game coordinator duties in 2018 before he became the offensive coordinator in 2019. Now, also being made aware this week is the fact that Kevin O'Connell had a big hand in Washington drafting Terry McLaurin, and he noted that in some media availability with the D.C. media. And I think that that is a big reason why the commanders have improved over the last couple of weeks. Now, Taylor Heineke has a lot to do with that, too. We'll get to him, right? But big reason here getting Terry McLaurin the ball. Let's compare some statistics from when Carson Wentz was starting at quarterback versus Taylor Heineke, all right? When Wentz was the starter, Terry was getting just a 16% target share, 27% air yardage share, and an 11.1 PPR average, right? So that last statistic is a fantasy football number. But with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, his target share went from 16 to 26%. The air yardage share went from 27 to 57%. And the PPR average went from 11.1 to 17.5. And he's actually caught a touchdown since then. (laughs) He hadn't caught a touchdown since week one until Taylor Heineke became the quarterback. And Terry didn't catch a touchdown last week against Indy, but he sure did have a big game. And that last catch to put the commanders down on the one or the two yard line, whatever it was right there at the very end of the game, it might as well have been a touchdown, obviously setting up the commanders for what would be the game winning touchdown. But I've been harping on this hard about them needing to get Terry McLaurin the ball more. And I hope that this mentality continues when Jahan Dotson returns, whenever that is, because I really like Jahan Dotson. I think he's a great player. I think they need to, get him the ball as much as they can too, along with Curtis Samuel. But Terry is your guy, all right? Terry is an absolute beast. I mean, he has proven that against any defensive backs, most recently against Stephon Gilmore, who's a former NFL Defensive Player of the Year, going up over top of him to secure what would become one of the game-winning catch, one of the game-winning plays for Washington last weekend. There's just no way that you you can't go to him. And and I think Taylor Heineke is just, for whatever reason, more prone to do that. You know, he's running around back there. He's got that element of mobility, but he just looks for him more often. We just weren't seeing that from Carson Wentz. Now, Minnesota is going to feature on their defense, Zadarius Smith, who was a free agent signing this offseason, got cut by division rival Green Bay. Boy, the mistakes the Packers are making just keep piling up, don't they? But Zadarius Smith this year, now with Minnesota, tied for the league leading sacks. He's got eight and a half at 30 years old. And he was the, NF- the NFC Defensive Player of the Month for October. So he's having himself a great month and change. Washington will have to continue their improved offensive line play if they're going to have a shot at winning this game, which would be their fourth win in a row. Now, some other things to remember here. William Jackson was traded to Pittsburgh this week. He just wasn't a good fit for Jack Del Rio's scheme on defense. He hadn't played, I believe, since the Tennessee game. And now he's gone, right? That was certainly... Well, we knew he was going to be gone, but before the trade deadline that came and went earlier this week, there was actually not a lot of hope that anybody would bite on going for a trade for William Jackson because I have to imagine teams would have been aware that Washington was likely to cut him if they weren't able to trade him but they got they got a draft pick out of it so it's it's hard to be too mad at that and one of the other things that I'll say right before we go to another break here the defense has improved a heck of a lot and more good news for the commanders this week was the return of Chase Young in practice now Ron Rivera came out and said that it would probably be a little bit premature to say that he's going to play on Sunday. That's fine. And they've been very forward about the fact that they're going to be as careful as they possibly can with Chase Young. They're not going to rush him back. And I think that that's a great idea because he's going to be an important part of your defense going forward for the next few years. And if they decide to give him a contract extension for even longer than that. So you wonder what 
his addition to the defensive line can do when you consider the fact that Jonathan Allen is having another great season. Deron Payne is having a great season. Montez Sweat had a slow start, but he's starting to return to the form that we've seen him get to, specifically back in 2020 when it was Sweat off one edge and Young off the other. But more impressive than that, I think, are the linebackers behind him. I mean, Cole Holcomb and Jamin Davis have really stepped up their games. Jamin Davis made an absolutely crucial stop near the goal line last week. It was the biggest play of his career. And I think that there's obviously still some improvements to be made there, but you have to give credit where it is due. Davis and Holcomb have improved drastically. And and Holcomb is, is on the injury report this week, so keep a close eye on... Twitter or ESPN, wherever you get your injury updates, because Holcomb is definitely not a guy that is guaranteed to be in action this weekend. But let's get out of here. Let's step aside. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we will look at the Wizards Nets game, which is underway from Capital One Arena. Stick around. You're listening to 106.7 The Fan. Finishing up the seven o'clock hour this evening on 106.7 The Fan. We're with you up until 9 p.m. this evening. So we've got a full hour left to hang out, talk a little bit more NFL. We got some NBA that we're going to check in on here this segment. We've also got some college football. That's where we're going to kick off the 8 o'clock hour. Love college football. If any of you have listened to my shows before, obviously spent a lot of time down in Blacksburg, not only as a student at Virginia Tech, but also for three years after I was a student at Tech, had the chance to cover that team as well. So Tech is not who we're going to spend that segment talking about. I promise you that. In fact, we'll spend a lot of it talking about number one, Tennessee and number three, Georgia. But there are other good games on the college football docket as well. To finish up this hour, though, I mentioned we go to the NBA because the Brooklyn Nets are here in D.C. visiting the Washington Wizards over at Capital One Arena. Right now, just over nine minutes to go in the second quarter, Brooklyn has a 44-33 lead over the Wizards. And so far, Kevin Durant, 12 points, four of nine from the field. That's the leader for Brooklyn Wiz, led by Kyle Kuzma, who has 11 points on three of five shooting from the field so far. Now, Nets just two and six this season, Wizards four and four, and Washington coming up back-to-back games against the Sixers, most recently in Philly. They did play a home-and-home, but on the road, the Wizards got the win, 121-111, to back on Wednesday night. Got a cool 30 points from Kristaps Porzingis. He had nine rebounds to go along with those 30 points. Not to mention Bradley Beal notched 29 of his own. Kyle Kuzma had 18. Now, it is very important to note that Joel Embiid did not play in this game. Obviously, the Sixers leader. Well, I would assume he's the leader, right? Some people might say it's James Harden, but I definitely am going with Joel Embiid in that argument right there. Tyrese Maxey, though, he led the Sixers in scoring 32 points. James Harden did have 24. Tobias Harris with 16 more. But impressive here. Wizards did not trail for the final three quarters of that game. So Wizards trying to make it two in a row tonight. Not off to a great start. They're going through the nets to try and make that happen And there's obviously been a lot of attention around the Nets over the last couple of seasons. They're the NBA's greatest soap opera. And a lot of that comes from Kyrie Irving. Obviously, some comments that he made over the last couple of weeks. But you have earlier comments about Kyrie Irving and his flat earth theory. Didn't want to get the COVID vaccine. How about James Harden being traded away after very little time? In Brooklyn, an epic failure of an experiment. And then you had this offseason, Kevin Durant, who was potentially going to be traded, but that didn't happen, said to have reconciled with the Nets front office. But obviously, the latest chapter in the uh, soap opera saga here is the worst one yet with Kyrie Irving promoting an anti-Semitic film, making anti-Semitic comments, and at one point doubled down on his belief that he has every right to say what he has been saying. So the Nets for a while were being criticized for not suspending him immediately, but turns out what they were doing was trying to give him a chance to apologize with repeated media availability. And the media kept asking him about it. So day or so ago, 
media scrum, Kyrie doubled down on those remarks, offering no apology and essentially said that because he, quote, knows where he comes from, he can't possibly be anti-Semitic. But the Nets did, in fact, suspend him because hate speech is not free speech and is therefore not protected by the First Amendment. And the Nets released a lengthy statement saying Kyrie will be out for at least the next five games. So, yes, that includes tonight. He is not on the court. He is not here in D.C. as far as I know. And by the way, Kyrie has since posted an apology to his Instagram page that really not worth reading because I got to think that it's not genuine, right? And I don't think I've, I have to explain why this sort of behavior is incredibly dangerous, so I won't. I'll just say this. Kyrie Irving is not worth it. We could talk about Kyrie, the basketball player, and what I could say is he's a pretty darn good player, isn't he? He's a great number two. Lord knows he doesn't have what it takes to be a number one. Took a backseat to LeBron, actually won a championship, then moved on to Boston, tried to be the guy there. That was a horrible experiment, reminiscent of James Harden's time in Brooklyn. Failed miserably there in Boston. And then he comes to Brooklyn. He's the number two again, but it's having a hard time getting on the court because conspiracy theories abound and... That's keeping him off the court. Now, he's a piece of the puzzle as a player, but he's not likely to be the guy. So is is he really worth all of this trouble? To me, no, he's, he's definitely not. But I, I would have said that before all of this happened. And that's really what I'm getting at. So he's probably played his last game for the Nets, I, I would have to think. I, I really don't know what to expect because uh, NBA commissioner Adam Silver himself is Jewish and... Kyrie's remarks were a direct attack on Jewish people. So that is likely not going to sit well with the commissioner. And I believe they have a meeting scheduled for next week. So I'm looking forward to hearing what the results of that are. And let's see if he ends up being suspended for a little bit longer this season. I would definitely expect something like that to happen. And as we wrap up this discussion on the Wizards here, just another quick update. Now, just under seven minutes to go in the second quarter, Brooklyn leads the Wizards over at Capital One Arena by a score of 49-38. to 38. Durant now up to 14 points on 5 of 10 shooting, while the Wizards are led by Kyle Kuzma, 16 points, and uh, 10 points from Kristaps Porzingis to go along with three rebounds. Before we get out of here, though, before we take our next break wanted to remember that the xfl was announced once again this year this week this past week just adding to all of the good news here in washington dc it wasn't announced but the, the official announcement of the team names was made this season and it comes from the rock in very rock fashion very uh high quality production with the announcements that were made for each of these XFL teams. And of course, here in Washington, D.C., we have the D.C. Defenders and they remain the Defenders, which not every team that was in the XFL for the second iteration at the beginning of 2020 kept their name. But the Defenders did. And it's because of you guys, because of all you out there listening you let them know that you wanted to keep that name, and so they did. They changed the logo, and they changed it quite a bit. I actually don't mind it. I think it's 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 not bad. But they released some gear, so you can go buy some new Defenders gear. Looks a little bit more high quality than the Defenders gear that was released at the beginning of 2020. Obviously, it looks a little different because the logo does. But... We're going to have XFL football in the district again over at Audi Field. It's going to be fun. I was there for the inaugural game in 2020. I definitely will be back there for several games here coming in the future. I'm really looking forward to it. Probably not going to get my gear yet because if it's one thing I know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson will not miss an opportunity to be the great entrepreneur that he is and blend a couple of the businesses that he owns. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about his have to be massive endorsement deal with Under Armour that I have to assume he's going to try and link some way to the XFL. I don't know if it will become the official outfitter of the XFL, but I have to assume that 
They're going to release some Under Armour XFL gear. And what can I say? I like Under Armour stuff. It's very comfortable. I like it. But they've got the stuff, the Defenders gear. It's up for sale now if you want to go check it out. We'll have Defenders football back here in Washington, D.C. very, very soon. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we will kick off the 8 o'clock hour breaking down this massive weekend of college football. Big matchup down in the SEC. We're talking about it next here on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 